Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. What's up, everybody? I hope that you are well, wherever it is that you are finding us on this fine day, evening, morning, whenever you're tuning in. We're glad you're tuning in. We appreciate you being here on InsideCarolina.com's Coast to Coast podcast. This is the podcast where we hit up all of the Carolina basketball goodness that you can think of, whether that be recruiting, whether that be the current squad, what's happening with, with the hardwood and the Tar Heels ultimately is what we aim to bring to you, our listeners and viewers, and the Inside Carolina Nation. I want to give a big shout-out to Johnny T-Shirt for sponsoring the show, and we appreciate them being along. We'll give them some love a little bit later, but we're glad you're here. And as we record this, guys are back on campus, students are back in Chapel Hill. We have no idea how long COVID's going to allow that to happen, but we're rolling. And you know what? Even if they weren't, we'd still be doing this show because there is no offseason wearing my new Inside Carolina t-shirt that was available in honor of IC's 20th birthday. Uh, you could have gotten one of those. I hope you guys scooped one of those up on the uh, message boards a couple of weeks ago, but it came in. It's very soft and lovely. I find myself getting all comfy and cozy while I wear it, but that's another conversation for another day. As usual, the two guys that you're here to hear or here to see or here to gain knowledge from are with me. Sean Moran, Sherelle McMillan. Sean, how are you? Doing well. Sherelle, how are you living? I'm good. I hope to have a better uh, day on this job than I did my day job. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> hey, look, I'm, I'm going to make it as easy as possible for you. What you do with that is up to you, sir. <clears throat> there you go. And, and getting us rolling, why don't I start with uh, something that actually just wrapped up on UNC's campus recently as we record this on Monday night, uh, Cam Whitmore's visit. And he is a very highly touted prospect in this class. Uh, is obviously the, I would say, and, and again, I'm not the analyst you guys are, but he feels like the top remaining recruit for Hubert Davis and the Tar Heels. So, Sherelle, why don't you tell us how that visit uh, went down, what you can glean from it, if you have any uh, kind of expectations as to what may have happened during that visit under the new staff. Uh, yeah, so he is uh, actually at the airport recording this Monday night. Um, <laughs> so he, he just left. So the visit really just concluded within the last, you know, I would say hour and a half. And, you know, obviously what you're going to get from it is, you know, oh, the visit was great. Everything <laughs> well. Um, I think North Carolina's charge in this recruitment was showing how Whitmore fit in, considering all the wings that they already have on the roster or, or yeah. guys who can kind of play that three and four position. Um, I, so I think that was one. And then just kind of showcasing Hubert Davis's vision for the program, because even though for us, it feels like it's been an eternity since April 5th, it's only been a few months. And so um, people on the outside who aren't in the UNC bubble haven't had a chance to really hear Hubert Davis's vision. I mean, frankly, we, we haven't in totality either. We've getting, gotten bits and pieces here and there. Um, but I think that was one of the things that North Carolina hoped to accomplish. And then just kind of show off, you know, the strength and conditioning program. We talked to um, Cam's dad, Myron, you know, kind of before the visit. And he just had a list of things that he wanted um, to kind of find out about UNC playing style, um, you know, strength and conditioning, academic programs, 
how soon he can play, you know, if what the criteria is for playing early, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I really think it was a fact-finding mission for the family. Um, and hopefully we'll know more in the next couple of days after we get a chance to talk to them. I, for one, was shocked in reading your preview on Inside Carolina's premium message boards, uh, your preview of this visit, Averter speaking with, with Whitmore's dad. I was shocked to hear him mention specifically strength and conditioning because it's just not something I feel like you see a lot from uh, blue chip high school recruits. I mean, obviously it's part of their regimen and it's part of the overall process that they're shopping for. But I think that might be the first recent blue chipper that I've seen mention strength and conditioning. Do you feel like it's just a big deal for, for Whitmore or do you feel like it's something he feel like or something that he feels like he needs to expand his game to make him the ultimate NBA prospect? Where, where do you think that comes from? If he needs improvement in strength and conditioning, then we're all doing life wrong because the dude is already chiseled and, you know, already super athletic. Uh, so maybe guess, he's just a workout beast yeah, like, like Hansborough was. Right. And maybe he just wants to make sure that, that he's going to maintain and then he's going to, um, you know, not slip in, in any, you know, not slip as far as his muscle mass, not slip as far as, as, far as his lateral quickness, all that good stuff. So it, it could be that. I, frankly, I don't know. I, I can't remember the last time actually someone mentioned strength and conditioning yeah. or something they were really looking at. So that's a good question. I wake up every day and worry about how can I maintain my muscle mass. <laughs> Sean, if if a guy like Cam Whitmore were to join this uh, or what would be this roster when he when he would matriculate, what would it mean for Hubert Davis's roster and what would it mean for the team style of play? Well, yeah, I mean, I think it would he would fit right in with with kind of that up tempo style that we've seen for years and years. Um, I think he'd also fit in with Trimble in terms of that athletic kind of freak level um probably even even surpassing that um so you, you would have you know really your point guard and then you know kind of your wing undersized four that when you step out on the court they're going to be the best athletes or at least up at, you know up in the upper tier which i think has been definitely missing in some of the positions lately um and then once again with jalen washington and shaver uh you know i know we've talked about this ad nauseum in terms of of washington five four four five but this gives a guy who can can switch um, and be, you know, he'll be the one creating the mismatches uh, offensively, defensively on the court. So I think you said it that he's really the top, you know, target. That's definitely, definitely accurate and would give you and see kind of a dose of athleticism um, that it will continue to to be looking for. I think the, the only question you know, goes back to Hubert Davis's first interview with ESPN of asking, you know, can he shoot? can he shoot? And I think, uh, you know, that's, that's the main question uh, for Whitmore going forward. He's shown he can do it, but then at Peach Jam, uh, he definitely struggled with his outside shooting. So I think that's still the, the area of improvement. Um, and I, once again, that's a big area because you don't want to uh, have defenders playing off of you, but in, in terms of just as what he'll bring to Chapel Hill, um, you know, that fast pace up tempo and being able to switch uh, on both sides of the ball. How you feel about Cam Whitmore and, and how he may or may not fit within the North Carolina roster? So before I get to that, just Sean mentioning that interview on ESPN, I was sitting here thinking, like, man, that was that was a couple of years ago. That was a really good interview he did when he first became the head coach. And April, he's had a co he's had a couple of good years <laughs> as the coach since then, and made the NCAA, like, oh, that was four and a half, five months ago. <laughs> it, <sighs> it really does feel like such a long time. Uh, but yeah, so as far as fit. We talked about how Jalen Washington and Will Shaver, you know, the bigs are developing as rebounders. And so when you have two bigs who are developing as rebounders, you've got to, you know, supplement. 
And I think North Carolina is still going to have that emphasis on rebounding. So when you have someone like Cam Whitmore, as athletic as he is, as strong as he is, coming off the wing who can help rebounding, that's a big thing for UNC. That's a huge fit. I think Dontre Styles kind of is in that same vein that, um, you know, I could see, I could see a situation where if they're both on the roster where maybe they are the leading rebounders as opposed to the bigs just because mm-hmm. of how they play and their size and, and all that good stuff. So, um I, I think Whitmore could definitely help in that aspect too. Just immediately, if he can't shoot, can't do anything else, he can rebound and he can defend. We know that and dunk. So, I mean, that's that's someone who who is really valuable on a roster, no matter you know their shot or not. Now, ultimately, if he wants to play big minutes, he's going to have to prove that he is a competent shooter at the ACC level. To Sean's point, so I guess we can see what happens. But I, I think that's important to mention too, just about his fit as a rebounder. If nothing else, UNC has shown in the past that you don't have to be uh, a five or a four to get a lot of rebounds in UNC system. I mean, it's a lot of it has to do with pace, but also, you know, when, when you've emphasized things the way that Roy Williams did in the past and the way we think that Hubert Davis is going to, when you emphasize rebounding the way they do, it's, it's another way to earn playing time. All right. So this leads us to uh, the other recruit who is kind of on UNC's board right now, still in Tyler nickel. Shrill, do you feel like Whitmore and nickel are an either or situation or am I totally counting chickens before they hatch here? Uh, it seems like that. Um, if you look at how North Carolina set up visits in June, mm-hmm. it seemed that they had the guys who they were out front of, out in front for, um, visiting first and kind of gave them the right of first refusal. Um, that seems to be the case with Whitmore. We haven't been able to confirm that. But if you're just reading tea leaves, uh, uh, definitely I, I would say that's the case because right now Whitmore um, visited UNC. He'll be at Illinois this weekend. Then he's scheduled to be at Miami the weekend after that. Those are the only three he has scheduled. Um, he took one to Maryland back in June. Trips to UCLA and, and Louisville. So we'll see what happens there. And then Villanova is still there kind of, you know, vying for an official visit. And Maryland could get an official visit too. So really, he really, outside of the three, he has four schools, I would say. Maryland, Villanova, UCLA, and Louisville kind of vying for um two official visit slots now he could also take unofficial visits to those schools so he still has a ton of options and i think nickel is more um getting towards the end of the process um he's got butler and lsu and unc um i did this last time too i forgot his five virginia tech um and then because it's such a hodgepodge it is a hodgepodge Butler, Virginia Tech, LSU, Carolina, who the Seattle Seahawks, you know, <laughs> Atlanta but, United. Yeah, there's a lot of just right. great teams. Right. But he's he's getting towards the end too. He'll be in at UNC. Um, he's scheduled to be at UNC on September 10th. I think we'll really see how UNC feels about Cam Whitmore on September mm-hmm. 13th because they have a great shot with Tyler Nickel. And if it's an either or a situation like we think, you know, they're gonna have to figure out what to do if Nichols kind of ready to go and, you know, he, there's somebody's gonna have to make a decision. Let's put it that way. Whether it's UNC, whether it's Whitmore, whether it's nickel, um, all three of those, those entities are inter- intertwined. I would say. I believe uh, a Nobel laureate once said poop or remove thyself from the pot. is kind of what we're looking at with, with those two kids. And, and like you said, I, I think it, it will tell a lot when uh, the second week of September comes around is what's happening with those two kids. Um, one more recruit that's on UNC's board that some news popped up over the past week. Now, I want to I want to preface this by saying uh, I want to preface this by saying I have not seen confirmation of this. I think Sherelle said there was a Tipton edits mention of it. 
but again, I haven't seen anything um, online that I could you know, attribute this to. But it sounds like Derek Lively has received uh, a half a million dollar offer from overtime. And Sean, you were really good about mentioning this. Uh, I think the last episode we did about just this is what UNC is going to face after you go after these big time kids and Sherelle, you've, you've, you know, you've hammered at home ad nauseum as well, that if you're going after blue chip kids, this is going to be one of the other things you have to compete with. Uh, so Sean, I'll throw to you. Do you feel like Lively's game is more uh, ready for an, an overtime sports league right now, or, or is that a little bit of a reach or would that just be a, you know, a, a financial play for, for the kid and his family? Uh, I mean, I don't think it comes as a, as a surprise because you've seen, at least as of now, you know, Jalen Duran and Imani Bates, um, who will most likely be at least saying they're going to college. Um, most of the so top two le- kids, you're right. Yeah, so that, so that leaves both the G League and Overtime. I mean, Overtime Elite has kind of, you know, they've been signing, they've been going a little younger, so kind of 2023, et cetera. But that leaves the G League, you know, looking for, uh, talent for next next season. Um, so I, I think it's not a surprise to see them offering, you know, the $500,000 contracts to the the top players. Um, and I think for, for Lively, once again, when he was offered by Roy Williams, he was in the, in the 40s. Um, now, once again, I think with him, you could easily see him moving up just because of how long he is and his ability to, uh, you know, run up and down the floor, shoot the ball, et cetera. And then it was that Pango's performance where that bumped him into not just the top 10, but the top five. Yeah. Um, and that's where he, he sits currently. I think whether it's, you know, I, don't, I think either platform is going to be good for him, but I think once again, in college, um, you know, his, his offensive game still is, is a work in progress. Uh, he can shoot from the side, but oftentimes he is just kind of running up and down. Uh, definitely needs to add a lot of strength uh, so he can get pushed around kind of down in the post. So I could see those weaknesses being shown a little bit more in the college mm-hmm. game where, you know, in the G League, he's just able to pick and pop. Um, but once again, I think it comes down to, to does a kid want to go to the G League or does he want the college experience? You know, with his mom playing at Penn State, I could see the college experience, um, you know, being attractive to him. Sure. But at the same time, I think we've always thought this one was was going to be a reach no matter what and that you would have, you know, the G League and overtime elite suitors um, out there and out there in a significant way, which which we're definitely seeing right now. Cheryl, how do you feel about uh, a half a million dollar awfully for for lively other than other than we wish we got it? How do you how do you look at that? <laughs> yeah, that's tough, man. Um so to turn around, turn down that kind of money. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know after taxes, it's three thirty or whatever, but that's still a lot of money for someone who is eighteen, and um, you know it can be a nest egg for like the rest of their life. Yeah, if they, you know, spend it correctly. And the thing is, even if he goes to the G League, it's not gonna it, or overtime. It's not like it's gonna ruin his draft stock at all. Right. I mean, he's still gonna be a first round draft pick regardless. So for me, it's kind of like, so I'm I'm still gonna maintain my draft status, and I'm gonna make you know, $500,000 gross, why wouldn't I leave, you know? And maybe that is being too money first or, or not valuing the college experience. And to Sean's <laughs> point, you know, his mom works at the school. So maybe maybe she's in there saying, you know what, you'll, you'll regret this if you don't at least do it for sure. And and have those memories. But, you know, from where I sit, that, that would be very hard to turn down just because of the fact that his draft status isn't going to change materially. Like He's still going to be a first-round pick. 
this might shock some folks, but I'm, I'm no longer 18 years old. And I'm, I'm going to say this, and I, I think you could probably get me to stick to this come hell or high water. Put a half a mil cold in front of me. Uh, there's a lot of things I would do for that. Yeah. And, and <laughs> including sure. play basketball. So I, I, I think I do not envy, uh, I do not envy the decision that kid will have to make, but I do envy the rewards that he will potentially reap at the end of each one. But to, to this point, you know, um, there's a kid uh, out from California, uh, Jerry McCain, a guard. I think he's, he might actually be 2023 or 2024, but the same source, we, we can say it, Tipton Edits from On3.com mm-hmm. reported that he turned down this kid from McCain from California, a two-year $750,000 deal with overtime because, you know, he still has two years of eligibility and he yeah. turned it down evidently. So, I mean, for some people, you know, it, the money isn't everything and they feel like they can compensate in other ways, you know, yeah. through Image, image and likeness or or whatever means that may be available to them <laughs> bojangles. Um, bojangles, yeah <laughs> but uh you know I, I think each prospect just has to make the decision for themselves and understand that you know it's not the end of the world whether they go to college or whether they do overtime you know the chances of them still being a top pick are, are, are pretty high if they're already regarded as you know one of those top players well shout out to our guy john at jimmy's famous seafood because that's a lot of crab cakes like like five five hundred large is 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 a lot of delicious crabness. But uh, I want to take a quick break and give a shout out to our sponsor Johnny T-shirt. Johnny T-shirt, as you know, longtime supporters of Inside Carolina content, InsideCarolina.com, and us, the guys that are involved with Inside Carolina, we really appreciate Johnny T-shirt and what they do for us, and we appreciate what they do for you guys, the listeners, the viewers, the subscribers to Inside Carolina. Right now, East Franklin Street in Chapel Hill. Look, y'all, as we sit today, we are, I think, 11 days from UNC's first football game. I was, you know, under the impression there would be no math, so I'm not going to hold myself to that counting. But either way, it's going to be time to get back in Keenan Stadium very soon. And when you're in Chapel Hill, swing by East Franklin. Go to Johnny T. Get the newest, the flyest, the hottest gear. How's that for a 1990s word, Sherelle McMillan? Flyest. Go in and get go in and get what you need from Johnny T. If you don't want to go to the store, if you would rather just get it at home, they got you there too. Hit them up at johnnytshirt.com. All the selection they've got, all the new stuff that's coming in right now uh, for the fall, the new football gear. They'll have new basketball stuff soon, which usually comes one or two weeks after football starts. Pay attention. It'll be there. Johnny T-shirt will have it for you. If you're an Inside Carolina premium subscriber, you know that you get that extra 10% by using the code that is found on the premium message board. So make sure you do that. Take care of Johnny T-Shirt. They've been taking care of us for a long time, and we want to make sure we keep that circle going. Hang tight just one second. The national guys are going to come in here and drop some ads. We'll be right back with the last part of this episode of the Coast to Coast Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, thanks for sticking around. I'm your host, Joey Powell, on the Coast to Coast Podcast. With me, as always, the two guys who actually bring the thunder, bring the noise, bring the stuff. You know the boys, Sean Moran, Sherelle McMillan. All right, guys, we've talked about the recruiting about as much as we can. It just doesn't seem to be a lot going on aside from the Whitmore visit. 
what I do want to talk about is something that uh, our man Sherelle did for Inside Carolina, and you saw it on uh, on the page last week. Um, he spent some time with Kerwin Walton. And, uh, you know, I, I want to give all praise and uh, all the, the laudits that you need, Sherelle, but I think that was a really well done uh, two-parter about kind of who Kerwin Walton is as a guy, uh, really his work ethic and, and what he's done to make himself not just – the last member of UNC's class last year. And I think you did a really good job getting inside that. Rather than rehashing the whole piece, I do want to ask you, give me one thing that surprised you about spending so much time with Kerwin Walton uh, with regard to Kerwin Walton, the basketball player. Um, I would say I wasn't ready for that question. That was an, that was an off the chain lead in to use a 90. <laughs> Um, I would say, <laughs> I would say, even though we talked about it in the story, like the dude's worth ethic, work ethic is still was still surprising. Oh, yeah, because I had heard about it and people talked about it. And, you know, like, yeah, you're in the gym for eight hours. Yeah, I work eight hours a day. Sure, exactly. Right. Um, I might be in the office, but I'm not working for eight hours a day. But, um, you know, when we went to the gym with him, you know, um, he was working the entire day. I mean, he the, the breaks he took were to eat. And then we sat down for about 30, 35 minutes for an interview. Uh, and then he left. And that was between 11 o'clock and about 620. Um, and when I talked to his dad, he was like, this was a light day because we worked really hard the rest of the week. And, you know, when you hear that kind of stuff, you're like, he's exaggerating. But after being <laughs> there, I'm like, no, they're, they're not exaggerating. This is what they do. And it really showed me the focus he has. Um kind of the reason why he it seems like he's stoic sometimes yeah. and that's because he's repped everything so many times there's nothing is really going to phase him um so he might bury a three or you know he might cross somebody up in a, in a rivalry game or, or whatever and it's going to be the same reaction because to him he's just doing what he did done in the gym you know literally thousands and thousands of times uh so that to me that was the biggest takeaway was that kind of the, the rumors and the, and the myths and, and the tall tales were all true about his work ethic. Other than that, um, you know, they were great with, with access. You know, I hung out with the family, you know, they, I didn't have to Uber, they picked me up and we drove <laughs> and, you know, they, they fed me and, you know, which is not an easy thing to do. Uh, so it was just really cool to, to be in that environment and see him away from like media people and away from his teammates when he's just really, really, really loose. And everybody had a story about, I tell you the time about when Kerwin hit six straight threes, or I tell you the time <laughs> when Kerwin scored 27 straight points. And, um, you know, I just, I'm like, man, did, did the national, did the national media, us included, just underrate him because just miss on him. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just miss. And maybe, you know, maybe he's going to have an okay year and maybe he'll just be kind of what he is, but it's hard not to bet on him when you see how he works. So that, that was my takeaway is like, yeah, I think he's going to get better. You know, maybe, maybe he doesn't, but you just see all the work he puts in. It's like, man, he, he's going to get better. He's going to improve. He's going to be really, really good. I could definitely take away from the, the two part of that you wrote that uh, there's a lot of Bill Brasky in discussing Kerwin Walton. That's an old SNL check. If, if you guys want to look that one up. Uh, but I was also really impressed with just the video clips of his handle now. And if he's got, ability now to create his own shot uh, in addition to what he had last year and being able to get the shot off with with guys in his face uh sean what do you think that means for his game if he's got that ability now to, to give a guy a little a little shimmy or 
or be able to cross a guy up or even double cross him. What do you feel like that adds to his game and, and how much more, uh, how much more of a threat does that make him as, as a shooter? Yeah. I mean, I think that definitely improves, you know, significantly improves what he can bring on the offensive end versus you know, him almost being reliant on, uh, you know, kind of defense collapsing or, or kind of pick and pop type scenarios. Obviously last year, there was a few where he get people with the head fake or even just kind of the crossover and sidestep. But uh, if he's able to kind of add that extra dimension, um, I mean, once again, I, I think, you know, he shot the lights out um, and if he can continue shooting at a, at a strong clip, but now he's less reliant on kind of everybody else to get him the ball. And, you know, if teams are, are good, they're going to be extremely aggressive um, in terms of not letting him catch or not helping off of him. So if he's just able to add just a little bit off the dribble, I think that will make his life a whole lot easier. Um, and I think, again, we'll free him up for some opportunities that just weren't there last year. That was a major point of emphasis, too, in their workouts. Uh, you saw the dribbling drill. What I didn't really get good video of was the pick and roll drill. Uh, basically, Kerwin uh, uh, Walton is the ball handler, and he had a big man who's going to uh, Grambling State down in Louisiana who was his big. And they just repped all kinds of different sets off of pick and roll over and over. So whether it be the big pop-in or, or Kerwin flaring, like it, anything you can think of that you can rep off of a pick and roll, they did over and over. So it's definitely a point of emphasis for him. Um, and I think Hubert Davis has, has made it a point of emphasis for him as well. So we'll see. Uh, it, it, it looked better to, to Joey's point because um, he's always working at it. So we'll, we'll see. And, you know, he, he told, I'm not going to say what his goal is to shoot from three this year because I, I just don't see any way it's possible, but he has a, a very high goal that he wants to shoot from three. And it's, it's much higher than it was this year. And if he does it, if he does it, how about this? If he does it in April, I'll, I'll reveal it um, on the podcast, but it, 50, it 50%? is a lofty goal. Let's put it that very All right, lofty. All right. So John Siegley, our producer extraordinaire, I need you to time check this. Uh, we will jump right back at it in April. On August 23rd's episode of the Coast to Coast podcast, Sherelle McMillan has promised us to reveal the secret documents uh, <laughs> if, if Kerwin Walton hits his lofty goal. All right, so keeping with that same theme, uh, talking about the current roster, uh, I want to close this show out with a little bit of rapid fire, kind of quick answer, um, you know, short response type stuff. Uh, and, and I want to kind of couch this question, all right? Uh, when we were talking before the show, uh, you know, I, I kind of told you guys, hey, let's let's th let's talk about what the current roster individual players need to do for this team to be successful. But I want to kind of make sure that that we're throwing this caveat out for our listeners and our viewers. I want to see specifically what do these players, in y'all's opinion, what do these players need to do for the team to be successful? So not does player X need to shoot better, not does player Y need to rebound more, not does player Z need to move without the ball. What do these guys need to do specifically to raise their game so that it fits within the current makeup of the roster? Because keep in mind, fellas, up until about a month and a half ago, we didn't know what the makeup of this roster was going to be. And now as we sit late August, guys have reported to school, we know who this roster is going to be. So I'm going to go through this. I'm going to hit each one of you guys uh, with, a, with a player. We're not going to do each of you um, on each player. I'm going to hit each of you with a player. I want you to give me a short answer what you think that player needs to do best within the confines of this team or within the constructs of this team, excuse me, to get the most success for the squad this year. All right, cool. cool. Speak now forever. Hold your peace. All right, we're cool. good. You guys are along for the ride. You've committed to it now. Sean, Anthony Harris. 
<laughs> I wasn't expecting that one uh, to go first. I mean, I, you know, for him, what does he need to do? I mean, he needs to, uh, you know, one show leadership. He's been there for, for three years. Um, but I think also needs to be able to showcase what he's been working on over the summer and show his um, kind of, we've always talked about him being kind of a junkyard dog. And I think he needs to have that rub off on um, the other teammates. That personality would be nice to see going around the locker room. All right, Sherelle, Leaky Black. Um, my God. Um, he needs to be able to uh, shut down opposing threes um, as much as possible. And then just, again, be competent. He doesn't have to be above average. Be competent as a shooter, whether that's 32% from three or 33% from three. If he can just give him that and uh, that you know defensive prowess, I think that he'll be good. Sean, R.J. Davis. I think um, he's going to have to – we were very high on him uh, throughout the summer last year going into the, the season. Um, and I think hopefully last year got him some reps um, and got him uh, more confident. But I think he's going to have to showcase uh, now through the practices that he can be that guy we all saw in AAU. Um, so he, he can shoot the ball. He can kind of be that secondary ball handler, um, but also that – he, I think that his vision uh, has increased and he can involve his other, uh, his other teammates as well. And you guys know where my heart lies on this, but I love the amount of dog that is on this roster right now. Uh, Sherelle, Dontrez Styles. Uh, be, a, be great in practice, push the other wings, and then whenever you get your minutes, be a net neutral. Don't be a net negative when you get minutes. Just don't hurt them. Right. Yeah, I got you. Uh, Sean, Caleb Love. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to throw all the – Sean, I'm going to throw all the one and two guards at you. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's there's a lot – right, a tremendous amount riding on Caleb Love uh, for this season. And we've all seen, you know, the summer videos of him working on his shot and, and working out and people talking about how well he's been doing. Uh, but now is the time to kind of cement his role as a potential leader on the team. And once again, hopefully all that stuff he's been working over, working on can carry over. But now's the time to understand, you know, how, how does, how has Armando improved? How has uh, Dawson Garcia, you know, where does he like the ball? Um, you know, same with Brady Manick. And he really needs to gel with, with the rest of the team, especially if they're looking at him being uh, kind of taking not even just the freshman to sophomore year jump, but almost doubling, doubling that and becoming you know, basically what people were expecting last year. So it's really integrating himself in with the new players and, and kind of showcasing how that everything he's worked on over the summer can now translate into significantly improved uh, statistics. Sherelle Armando Bacot. You know, be the guy along with Caleb Love. This is your team. So you came back for a reason. You want to showcase your skills. So be the guy, you know, average 16, 15, 17 points a game be an All-American, be an All-ACC player. It's your team. Um, you're the guy. You're experienced. You played the most. You're the most consistent. So just kind of take the, the leadership from previous Carolina bigs and, and move it forward. I'm officially nicknaming him the big crab cake, just so you guys know. That's, his, that's, that's right now on this episode, we're nicknaming him hashtag big crab cake. Shout out to Jimmy's Famous. Sean, DeMarco Dunn. I think he, he has an opportunity where there's, there's not a lot of expectations uh, coming in for, for a freshman that, um, you know, really hadn't gotten that in-person Carolina experience until this summer. 
Um, so I think, you know, similar to what Cheryl said for Dontrell Styles, shooting is his main strength. And he, if he can come in and, you know, knock down some shots in the, in the pickup games, I think he can start carving out uh, some potential, you know, minutes off the bench for him come the fall. Um, I think there's only, you know, nothing but upside in terms of what he can bring to the team this year, just given, you know, expectations. But I think he's got the size and length and, and I think he has the opportunity to maybe earn some, earn some more minutes that, that aren't expected as of right now. Yeah, I, I, I like that. I, I, I would almost agree with everything you said. I would also add in what Shrill said earlier, too, about um, when you get those minutes, just, you know, don't don't hurt them. Just just uh, just be be a, a net neutral, but not a net negative. Uh, Shrill, Puff Johnson. Uh, come in, make open shots when you have the chance. Stay healthy above all else. And on defense, use the link that you have to harass smaller threes because we think people forget just how tall and long, how long Puff is because he didn't play a ton last year. Um, he's a guy I think really could, could if he plays well, could be one of those surprises uh, for UNC because he's really talented and um, he, he has ability. So, yeah, make shots, play good defense, and stay healthy. Yeah, six eight. I, I totally like you said. I didn't see him much last year, and I forget that the kid is a six eight. Like that's that's massive wingspan. Uh, Sean, somebody you're uh, infinitely infinitely familiar with right now uh, because of a, a side project you're doing, Dawson Garcia. Sure. So hopefully uh, this week or next week we'll have kind of a scouting video on him, and I think it's been it's been helpful for me. Um, you know, because you watch the highlights and and you see Dawson, and you're like, man, this guy is just. 6'11", can shoot, you know, can do all this on offense, uh, but then just kind of watching the full games. So I'm going to go on a little bit more of a tangent and the quick responses for him. But I think uh, oftentimes in the Marquette games outside of the, the UNC game, a lot of time he was just running from, you know, baseline to the three-point line and wasn't wasn't very active. Um, a part of that was the Marquette roster and, and style of play, but another part was him being a 6'11", uh, you know, kind of shooting shooting five um, where he was dependent on the pop he was dependent on kind of the open shots um, so I want to see you know can he uh, once again stretching the floor is going to be big for Carolina but can he also identify you know create kind of a, a post uh, presence uh, in these in these next two months because I think outside of Armando there's going to be opportunities um, for Dawson especially if teams are just going to switch on defense where you know they're going to, that's going to negate any advantage he has out on the perimeter. So if teams are just going to switch, he needs to be able to post up strong and he's going to need to be able to kind of have that second post presence outside of Armando. Awesome. Shrell, uh, Justin McCoy. Uh, be great at defense, kind of, kind of be the guy, uh, be the glue. Uh, every, every great team, and, and sometimes this uses a pejorative, but every great team needs the glue guy, and I think he can be that. Um, and then same thing, knock down shots, because he's going to play some four. So if you're open, knock them down at, at a competent rate, um, grab boards, and play you know great defense that you learned at UVA, bring it down to, you know, to UNC. All right, going to skip Kerwin Walton, because we already did him which leaves the last who I assume rotation guy and no disrespect to Creighton, Lebo, Dewey, Ferris, or Ryan McAdoo, but last guy, Brady Manick, Sean. Another guy that is just trying, you know, he's, he's been, been in Chapel Hill throughout the summer. Um, but now once again, after four years of Oklahoma, just trying to integrate himself into a new culture, a new team, a new coaching staff and new players. Um, so I probably felt very comfortable uh, you know, what, with what he did at Oklahoma. And now it's almost trying to return 
to his junior year success in maybe more of a minimized um, role in terms of, of shot opportunities, just given kind of the talent that exists. So once again, it's, it's getting familiar with a whole new, a new, new coaching staff as well as new players. And I, you know, making sure everybody knows his strengths and where he likes the ball. And also kind of, once again, bringing that uh, stretch five ability to UNC. All right. Well, I appreciate you guys humoring me for that rundown. I think it'll be good for our listeners to kind of reset, you know, again, who's on the roster. Cause again, it's the first time we've talked about them as a collective uh, now that we know who's here and who, who's going to be a part of the team. Boys, is there anything else you want to add? Uh, Sean, you got two pennies before we wrap tonight? No, I'm just looking, you know, looking forward as August creeps into September. Um, you know, I think it's exciting to have Cam Whitmore on campus. Um, you know, it wasn't a football game, but I think, you know, once again, from June, the June visits now to, to August, where students are in session of just kind of uh, getting getting back to what we had in, in 2019. Um, and obviously before that, and hopefully that can continue. And then, um, you know, I guess the other thing, once again, Dawson Garcia, hopefully we'll We'll have kind of a video report coming out on him, and I mean, there, there's a lot, a lot to like. Um, but then, once again, there there are some improvement points, and and how does how does he still have, you know, how does he continue to get better? But is he going to be playing 30 minutes and and getting as many shots as he did last year? It might be tough, but I think we can definitely see how he helps out the squad um, this season. Shrill, anything you want to add before we put a bow on this? I'm good. Sean said it all. <laughs> well, that's nice, neat, and uh, cleanly wrapped for us to put in your to-go container as you head out of the restaurant this evening. We hope that you've enjoyed the goodness that we have served up for you here on this episode of the Coast to Coast. We appreciate you guys listening. Big fans of Johnny T-Shirt. Appreciate them sponsoring. Uh, I hope that you enjoy this. If you're watching on YouTube or wherever you're getting this podcast, be sure to stop, rate, and review us. You know, I gave some shout-outs to folks that left us reviews last time. We appreciate them, but we would appreciate a new review if you have never left us one really helps us out. And, you know, we're not asking for much. We're putting this content out for you. If you wouldn't mind, just hit us up with a little review rating. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, thanks to John Siegley, our producer extraordinaire. And we definitely will keep our eyes as the team starts getting back together uh, next month for official team organized activities. And we get closer, as Sean said, to uh, September and then into to real basketball. So appreciate you guys being here. For Sean Moran and Sherelle McMillan, the guys who actually make this race worth watching, I'm just Joey Powell. We appreciate you tuning in. We'll catch you next time on the Coast to Coast podcast here on InsideCarolina.com. Late. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.